Okay, everybody, welcome back. We have another edition of Kente Corner, a casual Hoya podcast. I'm Bobby Bancroft, and joined today for the first of hopefully many times, Ava Wallace <laughs> from the Washington Post. You can follow her, Ava R. Wallace, on Twitter. Um, Ava, today, Georgetown dropped, after a week off, they dropped a uh, disappointing game to UNC Greensboro, although a good team, 65-61. The Hoyas are now 4-3. and three. What do we see today? What's your what's your big takeaway from today? Uh, there are actually, uh, unlike some of these kind of early losses, I, I saw a lot of kind of big picture takeaways. Um, I guess mm-hmm. I'll start with, I think Patrick Ewing said it afterwards, where he said, you know, UNC Greensboro scored 65 points and we still couldn't beat them. Uh, yeah. That's a huge problem. When I think it was, what was it, that McClung, Akinjo, and Yurt Seven were combined, was it 10 for 37 from the floor? Yeah. yeah. Um, that's that's no winning formula for these guys. Like you mentioned, I thought that was a great stat that you brought up uh, on Twitter where you said they're two and 15 under Patrick Ewing when they haven't scored at least 70 points. So that's kind of troubling to not be able to kind of grind out wins like that one. And also because I don't think if you asked anybody when Patrick Ewing came aboard, what is going to be the identity of this Georgetown team? You know, Ewing's always said, I want them to play fast, want them to play at a high clip, kind of an NBA style. But people would have said defense has to be the basis of this program if, if you've got Patrick Ewing helming things. Uh, so that's kind of the kind of two things I took away from this win. One is that their offense wasn't there. They can't really do anything when you're at seven and at least one other guy, much less two, isn't on. And then two, I just thought that they really cemented that this Georgetown team in Patrick Ewing's third year has a really shaky identity. Yeah, I think um, going back a second, I think the idea of – when he did come from the NBA, college basketball being so different, I think this year in particular, I think he has more pieces that he sort of knows what to do to. And I think it's very NBA of him to try and use all of them. And it's clear that, particularly in that in that, in that win against Texas, that they're probably better with a shorter bench. But the question is, who mm-hmm. gets who gets their minutes cut? And I think he's really struggling. And we saw that today where Gardner and Blair didn't play at all yeah. in the first half. And they, they were kind of in starring roles in the second half. That's exactly what I was going to say. I, I thought about that when Blair finally checked in in the second half where I was like, man, you know, this guy isn't going to light the world on fire, but he's a pretty capable guard. And the fact that Patrick Ewing, like, I, I, you know, I don't want to go too far here, but like kind of clearly to me just doesn't really know how to use him is really interesting to me. Yeah, well, um, he didn't actually say it, and we can kind of get to the quotes now because I thought – I thought Patrick Ewing was incredibly inf- efficient in five minutes. Obviously, there was no mm. student athletes came out, which is pretty much what you expect from Georgetown when they lose a home game. Um, yeah, but I think he was. There was a couple. It was the game got close. Um, I think UNC Greensboro started the second half on an eleven three run, and I thought I saw both McClung and Akinjo take what I would consider hero shots or hero drives. And I yeah. think Ewing Ewing thought the same thing and yanked both of them for a long time. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's sort of, that's sort of where this game, it didn't, it didn't fall apart from that point, but it sort of, it never sort of took the natural, I thought Georgetown goes towards their 80 points. They got stuck in neutral. Um, and that's when he, that's when he did turn to Blair and he turned to Gardner. And I thought they both actually played okay, but if your sure. seven's going to give you nothing and you're going to get nothing from your, from a and you know, like at halftime, you actually very politely corrected me on a tweet i had that akinjo had 11 points and he said hey bobby it's 12 and i'm like okay yeah you're right 
And then I, I after the game, we were sitting there. I'm like, hey, he only finished with 12. Yeah, he still has 12. Yeah. And, <laughs> well, and, that, and you that, mentioned, yeah. Sorry. And that's just something that, no, that's okay. Quotes. But sorry. Oh my God, I'm talking over you. But you mentioned getting into the quotes. That was so, you know, great question where someone asked him, what do you think of the decision making of your guards? And he said, he kind of said with a smile and it was kind of sad, a sad smile, but he said, I think it's decreasing sometimes. You know, I think their decision making isn't necessarily improving. And that's when he kind of launched into the, we're thinking way too much about me and not enough about we on this team. And that was after that guard question. So yeah, clearly he was not pleased with, you know, he kind of put up with it last year when Akinja would kind of just go off and take control of things because it would get them wins a lot. But this year it's clearly not working as much. Yeah. And just, just having the stats in front of me. So Usually when a team like UNC Greensboro beats a team like Georgetown, something sort of just pops out of the box score. And mm. nothing really does for UNC Greenbow. They they didn't go off from three. They didn't shoot a particularly high percentage. This was a game Georgetown could have won. But what really pops out is Georgetown had 11 assists, 19 turnovers. In the second half, none of their starters, so that obviously includes Akinjo and McClung, didn't have an assist. And I think that's where Ewing starts talking about we have to start stop thinking about me and thinking about we. And he said that a couple times. And I think you yeah. talk about the identity of the team. He said to us multiple times, it's the guards. These are two of the best guards in the Big East. They should be two of the best guards in the country. And if they're going to play like this, China's just going to struggle against anybody. Yeah. No, I totally agree with you. And, and that's exactly what I said after that Ewing quote is like, well, he wants them to start thinking about we, but what is the we in Georgetown? Especially like you mentioned, if McClung and Akinjo aren't going, they don't really have anything to fall back on. There's not like, oh, well, we can, you know, we can stop them with our defense game in and game out, or we can trust your seven to take over when we need to. Like, there's not that core identity that they have. And I think also, I think about this a lot, how like it's affecting recruiting too, because obviously Patrick gets really good recruits and he's, he's proven that he's good at that, at getting raw talent. But at some point you're not just, you can't just be collecting a really good bunch of talented guys. They've got to be guys who are able to play in your system and fit the culture of the team and everything like that. And I don't think we've really seen that part yet of, of his recruiting stuff. Well, I don't think, I don't think um, Georgetown, uh, the Georgetown people are going to be handle are going to handle us talking negatively about recruiting and the current team in one, in one Saturday night. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> actually, no, no, no I'm, I'm, to- I'm obviously totally kidding. Actually, if you think about it though, the kid that they got, the two-star, maybe three-star from Tennessee, Dante Harris, that might be the first kid that we're seeing. Like, he's recruiting to a way that he wants to play. Um, but Yeah, and I think, I, you know, I think actually you could you could probably say that with Kudus Wahab also last year. Um, but, yeah, and he's he has gotten some, some pretty good minutes so far, and you can see that there's a lot of upside with that kid. But, again, okay. there's, if, you, if, you ha- if you don't have a system to put him in, like, what are you kind of doing with him for four years? Right. Um, so we have been agreeing a lot, which is probably good and maybe bad, but I want to see if you agree. <laughs> probably, I want to yeah, see, <laughs> I want to see if you agree on this. So someone pointed out to me on Twitter, I think it was Florida Hoya, who's a pretty good, pretty good Georgetown um, uh, wealth of information. I tweeted about how Ewing said that they're being too selfish. And then he came back and said, well, you know, because earlier I had tweeted that they just, you know, they got the shots they wanted and they missed. And he said, well, you can't really, those things, how can you get the shots that you want, but you're also being too selfish? So what I said to mm-hmm. him, and mm-hmm. um, maybe if, if you sort of agree with that, what I, when, I, when he said that, that they got the shots they wanted, I took that as 
your seven was missing a bunch of bunnies, right? Yes. Particularly the attempt. I think he had like a attempt uh, for like a slam dunk that would have put them up by one late that obviously did not go in. Um, and then when they're being too selfish, he's talking about his starting backcourt. Did you see it that way? Or what's your take on those two quotes? Like, are they aligning up? Yes, a little bit. And I do also think they line up because like, I think to me, that's a first half, second half type situation where it's like, the first half, they were clearly actually for the first time, like, I, you know, they started out and I was like, oh, they're, you know, they brought some good defense with them home from New York. They actually looked pretty, yeah. pretty organized compared to what we'd seen at home. And their half court offense wasn't terrible. They were clearly getting the ball where they wanted to, two years, seven under the basket. He missed like a baffling number of layups at the rim. I don't know, you know, um, Wes Miller, the UNC Greensboro coach said that they were giving him different looks in the post every time. And so maybe that did kind of like throw him off or he wasn't able to just kind of turn and dump like he's used to. I'm not really sure it was, I mean, I, I don't know how you saw it, but I was kind of like, wow, this guy is missing a crazy amount of layups for someone who's so close to the basket. Um, I think so he was just missing. Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, that's, that's what I saw in the first half is like, okay, there is a system here that's not working. And then when that doesn't work, that's when the selfishness comes over because there's kind of a panic. That's what I see at least of, of Akinjo saying like, man, F this, like it's my time now. I'm going to make something happen. That's where mm-hmm. I see like those two things kind of relating to each other. And that's, that's where I always come in. I know I've been like harping on this, but that's where I come back to the identity. It's like, there's nothing that they have to fall back on to say like, if I just do this, I trust that it will work. Yeah. And speaking of trusting things that worked last year, what worked really well for Georgetown after like nine or 10 games when um, Trey Morning was out, I think maybe it was a concussion. I'm not sure. Maybe it was an ankle. I think he had injuries last year. What did really work well for Georgetown and earned uh, Josh LeBlanc a spot on the all freshman team was starting Josh LeBlanc. So (laughs) Josh LeBlanc didn't start the first game. He didn't play at all. We don't know why. That's something Georgetown kept to themselves. Maybe it was because he heard he wasn't starting and didn't like it. We really don't know. (laughs) What we do know is he's still not starting. And Patrick, I think, I don't think he's really been, he he doesn't really put his players out there and throw them under the bus. But I felt today his quotes on LeBlanc were kind of tough. LeBlanc played only 11 minutes. He pointed out his plus minus being minus 18, which, do you remember Patrick bringing a stat like that for a player? I really don't. Um, no, he usually pretty much just goes with like, oh, we missed this many shots and we had this many turnovers. But yeah, plus minus is kind of. Yeah, so he went kind of deep into the stats. I guess maybe he knew that during the game. Who knows? I don't know which which assistant or whoever's in charge of letting him know who's the plus minus. Right. But so LeBlanc was one for one. You know, he didn't get a rebound. He barely played. And I, I don't, my thing has been, if he doesn't start, it's hard to get into 30 minutes because if you sit the first five, then you have to play 30 of the next 35, which is kind of unrealistic. But he didn't play 30. He played 11. I mean, that's something that needs to get fixed going forward, right? I I guess, you know, I was thinking about that at the beginning today when I was kind of like, because he had a really good trip in New York, you know, kind of like the rest of them. But I was thinking about that and I was like, well, maybe somebody like that who's, who's always, and Patrick's always like, He's so energy, like, that's what he's for. He's there to pick us up. Like, that's not a terrible guy to have on the bench for when you need an energy boost to, like, kind of come in and pick things up when you need them to. Like, that's not a terrible strategy. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, like, the thing is, like, who who do you take out for him? So, like, do you – because I, I honestly think Pickett's been pretty pretty solid so far this season for, like, especially – and I know that that's tainted, like, because of what he – wasn't able to do last year that I'm kind of like, Oh, he's actually like pretty active this year and doing well. 
Right. But I, I don't. I, that's the thing is like I don't know what his starting lineup is, and I don't know that he's figured out the right one because clearly something's going wrong. But I also think the weird thing about that LeBlanc quote is because it's always so interesting to me, and maybe this is like more like journalism-y than basketball, but like because Patrick doesn't do an opening statement because he goes right into questions, we are really directing what he comments on. Um, it's not like he's saying, well, what we did was this and this and this, and here's what we need to do going forward. And we're asking a bunch of follow-up questions based on that. Like we're kind of going around cherry pecking and being like, well, what do you think of the guards? And what do you think of LeBlanc? And like, I feel like we, I feel like that skews things a little bit. And I don't know if you agree or not, but like, we're basically all asking questions for our own stories. And like, I don't know if that all adds up to everything. I think we do a pretty good job, but I don't know if that sometimes paints the most accurate picture of what's going on in a game. I think most of the time it does, but like, I don't know if I would have asked about LeBlanc tonight, you know, and then, and then if someone doesn't, then we don't have that quote because Patrick doesn't do an opening statement and he doesn't kind of like direct the line of questioning. Yeah. um, Yeah. I definitely, no, I definitely agree. They they kind of just come in and they just, they just jump right, you know, it's just like jump in. And usually the first question is a very detailed oriented basketball um, strategy question that (laughs) kind of, kind of really throws things off because it might be something completely unrelated to sort of, you know, the ending of the game or, you know, how the game actually went. But I do think that for Joshua Blanc to only play 11 minutes is something that, you know, you need to get something on that, whether or not we're sort of directing that or not. But I think and every time I say this, McClung ends up going off. But my thing is, I know Patrick probably doesn't want to start two non-three-point shooters in today's basketball, which is what you would be doing with LeBlanc and your seven, right? With Last year was different because Trey Morning did take threes when he started, um, even though it wasn't a high, high clip going in. Jesse was obviously their best three-pointer. Um, so I think if you maybe moved McClung out and put him part of the second unit, because when they go second unit, and Patrick is doing less of all five guys, the, the, the group I've been calling the Teal team, there's really no scoring that you can count on, right? So if you put McClung in that unit, then you sort of have Akinjo and McClung are maybe not overlapping as much. And I don't think they particularly feed off of each other. They're not like setting each other up all the time. So I think that would help the scoring. And I, do, I think LeBlanc not being able to sort of get his own shot, he is that energy guy that we talk about. I think if he comes in cold after watching the game for six or seven minutes, he might never really get going. And that's kind of what happened tonight. Does that make sense to maybe switch McClung up, or am I just going way too deep? No, and I now it's going to just sound like I'm agreeing with everything you're saying, but I do I do think about McClung like that, or not McClung, uh, LeBlanc like that a lot because it's like, yeah, well his whole thing last year was he was the one who like got Jesse going before the games, and he was the one who always like gave the pregame speeches and and riled everybody up. So like maybe he does need to be in the starting lineup and not coming off the bench, but I don't know about. I, I agree that McClung and Akinjo feed off of each other even less than they did last year like there's clearly just like less of a relationship there I mean I don't want to go like that deep whatever but like less of a basketball relationship there for sure um but I just I don't know I really don't know what to do with with these with this starting lineup but well yeah McClung McClung hasn't been fab no he hasn't okay so we didn't get a chance to talk before this game unfortunately but I included this game as part of a four-game stretch. That's a pretty big deal for Georgetown. It was for coming sure. off the coming off the Duke loss. They just beaten Texas. They showed you like what they can be, what they hope to be. 
And so these were three big games. You get Syracuse at the end of it after the the Southwestern trip, Oklahoma State and SMU. They already lost to Greensboro. So three and one is what I said that I thought they needed to do. That would be obviously best case scenario. It's probably unlikely. Mm-hmm. What do you think going forward these next three games? I mean, so basically right now they're four and three. If they go one and two mm-hmm. on this trip or this three-game group, that would be pretty actually – that'd be sort of probably what's going to happen, like the most likely scenario, which puts them at five and five. And then to jump real far ahead, you win your next three against UMBC, Sanford, America, and you go eight and five. Then you've got to go at least just to have a winning record. You've got, you know, you've got to go, you know, eight and 10 in the Big East. So I'm getting way, way ahead. But what do you think about mm. these three games? Because I think they're super important. I think they're super important too. And I also think that it would be very different if they weren't on the road for Oklahoma State and SMU, because I think if they were hosting, say, Oklahoma State at home, that. Now, and I saw a lot on Twitter today about how the atmosphere really kills these guys at Capital One Arena, and I don't, oh, I don't know how. I don't. You think you? I, I don't. I don't ascribe that. Like you should be able to play in whatever arena you're playing in, in front of however many people. You know, I cover Maryland women's basketball that plays in front of not that many people every game, and they still win. You know, like I don't know, yeah. but I, 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 I don't know. One in three. I, I think they could go two and two just because they do get up for big games like that. Like. I knew that they were going to go and have a, a good show. You know, I didn't know they were going to – I didn't necessarily think they were going to beat Texas, but I was like, they're playing at MSG. They've got these big deal programs. Like, they play the best when everyone is like, oh, my gosh, this is such a huge game. That's the only time they can kind of get up for those really big games. I don't know if Oklahoma State and SMU are, are big enough, per se, to kind of spur them into that mode. Um, but I could I could see them really getting up for a Syracuse game, say, and, like – having the confidence of knowing that they beat a Texas and that they, you know, hung with Duke late in the second half. Um, So I could see that for sure, especially if that's a good atmosphere for them. And I do think that they should play more of these non-conference games at McDonough. Like, I just don't understand why that's not a no brainer for everybody. I mean, I know with all the big East and everything, but I think, I think the road games are going to be tough because they're on the road, but I also, you know, they won that big game at Illinois last year and, and that was supposed to be something too. So. I yeah, so I think team. I actually, yeah, I think you need to start. I think you know, based on the way Syracuse is playing, this is not a great version of Bayheim and yeah. Syracuse. So you go on this road trip. They play Wednesday at Oklahoma State, who's looking pretty good. SMU yeah, look is looking good. pretty good. If they, they, it's really important to get one of those games. I don't even really know how much it matters which one, but they I think need to come away SMU, with Oklahoma State looks good, they, and they are so experienced too. That Oklahoma State yeah. team is old. So they got to they got to find a way to get that. They get there, they will be one and two in the four game grouping with a chance to beat Syracuse at home. And I, I I know I was definitely one of the proponents of you know the schedule needs to be better this and that. And you know when coaches don't schedule well, they think about like this, right? Like this is this is mm-hmm. worst case scenario. Like what if we don't work? What if we don't work? But you know for a team like Georgetown that aspires to get back to the NCAA tournament, this is a good spot. And I don't I mean they don't have a bad loss yet, right? Uh, uh, UNC Greensboro isn't a great loss, Bobby. It's top 100. I mean, it's not like they they didn't lose. Yeah, yeah, to, yeah. Right, they didn't like, lose to Central Arkansas. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, they don't. But for they're four on three. Yeah, you're right. Numerically, they don't have a terrible loss. I think for what everybody thought this team was going to be this year, I would say that they're probably that they're underperforming. Yeah, I'd say but that yes, they're numerically one game they below. don't have a bad loss. Yeah, they're probably one game below where they where they want to be. Um, yeah. Speaking of not, you know, of not getting up for the home games because the crowds aren't there and all that stuff. A lot of there's a lot of chatter on Twitter 
about as soon as we tweet out what color uniform Georgetown's wearing, some of the fans have already decided that they're going to lose. Georgetown's colors are gray and I blue. Love it. Okay. okay. And sure. I'm I'm cool with the title blue. It looks like it's aqua. Mm-hmm. It looks like it's I love teal. the title blue. Love it. Now, My fave. I'm completely anti-white. I'm just anti the white uniforms. What is your take? So I here's the thing. is like I agree with you that it's not that it's not one of their colors. I totally respect that. You know, I didn't grow up a Georgetown person, but like, I don't love the gray. I think I would be behind the gray more if it was like a better gray, but it's such a muddy gray that like, can't we ask more of our grays first of all? But I think the Navy is as actually the most boring of their uniforms and the black one is certainly the worst. I don't like the black at all. See, if I was in charge they would wear black, like they would have worn black up in New York. Just come out, they're like Darth but Vader. But black isn't one of their colors. That's true. I'm You're I'm showing like their my colors aren't gray on black. I'm showing my biases of if they have to go with an alternative jersey, white is like below everything. Um, I don't really know what you mean you by think what? No, I'm... black is it's a bad gray. If you look at it, it's too dark of a gray. It needs to be more. What is a good gray? Like a, a lighter gray, like a heather gray, if you, you know, wearing a gray sweater, say, but that's different. Um, but I mean, for these uniforms, it needs to be like a more silvery thing. And if you, I mean, the shoes are really bad. The shoes look like they're just moth eaten. I understand it's supposed to look like a basketball net on the heel, but it looks like moths got at them. It's bad. I don't know exactly what shoes they are wearing. Like, I don't know what they're called. And then there's sneakerheads out Neither. there that would find Nor the, will have I. a problem with that. But I will say this. As an old person that still plays in adult leagues, they're not shoes that I would buy. And here's the thing. You know what else I'd like to see? You know what would be fun? You know what I would accept the black uniforms? To watch an open practice? (laughs) (laughs) I would accept literally anything to watch an open practice. Um, (laughs) No. If they did a black but embraced like a title blue accent with the black, like a navy and title blue accent, that would be great. That's all I that's all I have to say. I think they should embrace the title blue more. I understand it it like packs a punch really as a full alternate, but I think that they could just embrace it more as an accent color and that would be really fun for me personally. Okay, well as a non George here, here is here is my chance or here is your chance to say whatever you want because I don't know what you're on record for before the season. Um I have I've oh, flipped. Do not ask me to make a prediction. <laughs> Well, well, let me just let me just tell you what I've done, and it might it might make you feel better. So I started the season just very confident that they were going to be like a a seven, eight, nine, ten seed in the NCAA tournament. I felt pretty good about that because um, mm-hmm. freshmen. The best thing about freshmen is it comes sophomores, and all their freshmen were really good last year, so they would get better. I think blah blah blah. I think you mean freshmen. What's that? I think you mean freshmen. Yeah, freshmen they get they get better. What, what, okay, wh- whatever. Um, <laughs> we're, so they're, they're growing. Af- they're growing, Bobby. Yeah, just add water. After the Penn State <laughs> game, in the way that in the way that they lost and they couldn't defend, and I was just convinced it was four years, which is not all Patrick. It's some of JT three. There's four straight years, and now like a couple games, like the fifth season, that they just can't defend. And then they went to Texas. Mm-hmm. They went up to New York, and they showed that they can defend. So then I was <sighs> back. It was so annoying. I was back on the, you know what, if they can get stops, this is a team that can win because they score a lot. Of course. After, so I flipped a couple times. I'm not flipping after today, but I could see myself flipping after next Saturday 
after they've played Oklahoma State and SMU. If they lose both of those, I could probably be on the their back out. Have you? So you said you don't want to make a prediction. Do you want to at least now that you've seen how stupid mine have been? Do you want to give some of yours? No. No. I don't. Okay. I hate being wrong at the end of the season, and I'm bad at predictions. I'm sorry. That's the part also, of sports. Like, no, that's just the part of sports. So I understand. It is so hard to make predictions about this Georgetown team because they always <laughs> – well, no, then it would be easy if they always do something. But they just do the opposite of what they should do every game, and it's maddening. It's maddening, truly. I mean, I, it would be more maddening if I was actually a fan, but, like, no, no predictions. <laughs> okay. Okay. Also, so I always I'll... give them the benefit of the doubt, and then they're worse than I think they're going to be, and it's horrible. Okay. Well, let me ask Sorry. this a different way. Okay. You're not going to give predictions. Mm-hmm. We're not going to get you on the record. I can't tweet, hey, listen to this podcast. Ava predicted this. Exactly. Um, yes, exactly. That's I'll... what I'm avoiding. <laughs> I'll say this. When would you think would be a sign of when it's time to panic if you're a Georgetown fan? That had that had thoughts of them, you know, being one of the, you know, like I said, seven through eleven seed type of team. When would you know? It's too early to panic now, right? So, would it be after this road trip? Would it be? Would you give it till conference play started? Like, when do you think would be a reasonable time for someone to panic? Hmm. So basically, that's a really. So I, I would. I'm inclined to say that I'm inclined to agree with you and say that this road trip is a really big deal because that's I think I just think that's a, a really good hard road test of good teams who are not necessarily like the ones that they're gonna always get up for but they could and, and they'll actually test them in the right ways um right. it's tough because their early conference season is so like they go from Providence to Seton Hall in a couple of days and that's such a wild swing that I don't know how much we'll get out of that like Seton Hall should definitely be an interesting game because I think that it's one that they have circled on the calendar probably so like it, it's one of those that they could be like show up really good at and that would be fun okay but yeah i mean i don't know but maybe that is a good test how they handle a, a providence seton hall swing to like go from one team that they really should be like pretty handily beating to a team that should by all means like crush them after what we've just seen so um, you, you, you've, you've given the Georgetown faithful like a while to sort of ease into. Yeah, I mean, is. I think it's such, but I agree. I agree with that because, well, because they're so unknown right now and because it's a really long, really like the Big East is always so weird until like the end of February, pretty much. Um, usually at least the past couple of years, but I would say the first, give them, give them the rest of the non-conference season, this road trip being like, one you definitely pay attention to the most and maybe start a little bit of fluttering, but not full on panic. And then first two or three games into big East is when I think we'll have a pretty good idea of what this Georgetown team is going to be. And I do think it'll take that long. I genuinely think it'll take that long for this team, which is, which is a bad sign in itself because they have way too much talent for that. Right. They should, they should be doing less growing, more um, continuing forward. I, I mean, know. honestly, the yeah, Ewing speak the 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 fact that they don't have their like a solid tight rotation set going into this road trip is certainly worrying. Yeah, it's I not. Uh, there's just there's a lot of unknowns, and I think there's going to be continue to be unknowns. But I do think I do think that the road trip is big, and I think that they're actually going to benefit from a great environment at Oklahoma State. I think it's probably what they need. And I think it's good that they don't have another week off. I think they had a week off and maybe they spent too long thinking that they were hard done by the, the referee's whistles. 
against Duke. Mm. I'm not really sure, but they did not. Yeah, Patrick really brought sure. it up again today. Yeah. I mean, I think it's hard um, for young kids not to feel that way, but. Yeah. When your coach is saying it, um, they should absolutely 100% be playing at the Mystics Arena out in Southeast, that 4,200-seat arena where all of the Georgetown fans who live in Virginia can come in really easily. All of the Georgetown fans who, like, come to Kenner League and, like, like Georgetown or whatever who are in Southeast to get there, that would be the best arena. If you're not going to do McDonough, if you have to be in a in a big technically pro arena, like, Go to the 4200-seat arena in Southeast. I think wow. that would be awesome for Georgetown. Wow. People would love that. People would we love could that. We could literally talk for 40 minutes about that, and we, we can't tonight. But sort of like you're you're uh, really going out hot here with an incredible parting shot take. Um, I, I You know, obviously, you know, if, I'm sure everyone knows you cover the Mystics. They just won a championship. Do you think that there was any thought, given how Leonsis is a, you know, he's a Georgetown guy, obviously he owns all that stuff. It, it seems like there was oh, no sure consideration. Really? I'm sure he asked Georgetown. Yes, I'm, I'm like, I would be so surprised if he didn't, if he didn't approach Georgetown at some point and say like, hey, you know, we already have, we own this. That's the thing is they control all of the dates. So like Georgetown exactly. could be like, we pick this, this, and this one, you know. Because I mean, as I know from covering the Mystics, like even if you even if you only put three thousand people in that forty, it's so loud and it's really fun. Like, and I just think I just think it would be a really good spot for them. Also, they should definitely play a couple special dates there, but that's not something they do. So, well, I think even if they built it, so what is it like forty five hundred? Forty two. Okay, I feel like if they if they had built if they had if they had worked together with Georgetown. And they had made it like eight thousand. You could almost play like every game there. Yeah, but they right? wouldn't do that. Yeah. Well, for I mean, sure. Villanova almost does that. I mean, Villanova and really, and really, eight thousand, like, eight thousand is also the ideal size for a WNBA arena, by the way. But that's a whole other situation. That's a that's a whole that's a whole other a whole other situation. <laughs> but seriously, Villanova of the we just won, you know, two of the last four national championships or two of the last five, whatever it is now. Oh, I'm sorry. They, I think you mean FCS dot powerhouse football powerhouse Villanova. Yes, they play most of their games in an in an arena that's you know like seven thousand people. They they only play like yeah, three or four games. Have, right, and then do the whole big big East pro arena thing for special occasions. Yeah, that's absolutely how Georgetown should be. Oh man, be incredible. You would avoid. Although today today wasn't terrible. I think there was a big kids club, even though my kid was taking a nap. Um, there was a pretty mm, big push by the kids. It's tough. It's t- those two o'clocks are tough. <laughs> um, the naps will go at some point. Although when you get older, you want to take a nap, and he doesn't want to. But um, the crowd was okay. There were obviously no students there. Um, it was yeah. okay. Georgetown also gave him nothing to cheer for. Honestly, like um, there was no at not- some point, Bobby. <laughs> There was. Well, you know, I, will not I, was, that up. I was just so busy battling with my Wi-Fi that it was hard to get out all my great hot takes during the game. So mm. I was mm. paying. I mean, you know, that's how I missed. Akinjo had 11, not 12, all that kind of stuff. I was going to say, you're welcome for being a copy editor. Yeah, it was big. I mean, there was at least eight people that might have liked my tweet there. So <laughs> super, super important to get it to get it straight. I really appreciate it. And, um, you're welcome. So I really appreciate you coming on here again. This is Kente Corner. You can, if you're listening, you already found us. But like every podcast says, we are on iTunes, we are on Spotify, Google Play, 
other places that you find your podcast. Um, I'm Bobby Bancroft on Twitter. Say rate and review. Oh yes, you if say you if, rate and review five stars, please. Five stars, especially when Ava Wallace <laughs> comes on. Um, this will be the first of many times during the season. Um, hopefully, there will be nicer things to say the next time you come on, Ava. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thanks again, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Bobby. All right. Bye.